0: Last week, I told you that we're starting this series that's going to be several months long. I'm going to do my best that each Sunday morning is its own topic, so that if you miss a Sunday, you're not lost. But we're going to go through heaven and what? Well, last week we did heaven. Who's there? What is there? What's going on? What does the Bible actually say? Sort of sift through all of the historical and cultural stuff that God added that isn't true. Last week was, what is in heaven? Who's there? What are they doing? They're not floating on clouds playing harps. Today, my question is, what has Jesus been doing for 1,986 years? It was 1,986 years ago that he ascended after his resurrection. He ascended into heaven. What has he been doing? And then over the next few weeks, we will look at what does the Bible, what did Jesus and what does the Bible say has to happen before he comes back. All growing up, I was taught, oh, Jesus can come back at any moment. Be ready. It's not true. Many things he said have to happen. Haven't happened, so what did he say has to happen before he returns? we can take several weeks and look at that stuff, then what will his return actually look like? Um, it won't be anything like left behind. I'll tell you that. Sorry if you like those books and that and those movies, but that is not what the Bible says. So uh, we'll get into that. What does his return actually look like what will what will our part be in that? That will be awesome <laughs> and then you know the the great battle and and what is judgment and what is the great wedding supper of the lamb what does what does that look like? What does the judgment seat of Christ look like? what is that what does Jesus' reign on earth look like and then new jerusalem and Heaven on New Earth. That's like July and August. We'll get there eventually. I told you last Sunday I'm not going to bore you with the details of the numbers of the dates of Daniel and Revelation. That is not what we're going to do at all. Primarily because I don't think I understand that at all and I don't think anybody does. And the people who think they understand, I don't trust them. Precisely because they think they understand. But Jesus did say, watch the weather and know what's coming. So we're going to do that. It's a command. So if you're new around here and you're like, oh no, I don't want to hear this stuff again. Well, I've been pastor here for seven years and I've never, ever taught on end time stuff or the return of Jesus or Revelation or Daniel or any of that stuff. Never. So primarily because I wasn't interested in it. But. In the last, let's say, year, the Lord has made uh, Revelation so alive to me as the worship hymnal of heaven and the glory of Jesus. And I'm not interested in predicting dates and times and, and all this. I am interested in knowing Jesus. And who is he now? We know very well, I think, uh, it's illuminated very well through church history and doctrine who he was when he was on earth. Who is he now? The glorified King of kings and the Lord of power. That is, I think, greatly misunderstood. It is a not very well illuminated subject. And Jesus said in one of his interactions, he said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And I think there's a lot of people who don't understand the fullness of who Jesus is and they will be offended at him because they're not expecting him to be who he is. Expecting him to come back like he was, but that's not how he's returning. So uh, my goal is, even today, that our vision of who Jesus is get brighter and bigger and more glorious and excited about who he is and what he's doing and our part in that it's not just to go through some irrelevant humdrum doctrine stuff I want to know Jesus so am I in the right place alright I figured I was talking to the right people yeah alright so acts one four, if I could have that on the screen And being assembled together with them he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father "...which," he said, "...you have heard from me," that's the Holy Spirit, "...for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority." But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So this day was 1,986 years ago, roughly. Okay, our calendar's a little off. Jesus was actually born somewhere between 3 and 4 BC, so you have to add three or four years back to his birth, and then he was 33 years old when this happened, and so Accounting for all of that, it's roughly 1,986 years ago, he ascended into heaven and angels told the apostles, he will come back, just like you saw him go. And he said, as he was leaving, I will put the Holy Spirit on you and you will be my witnesses through Judea and Samaria, that's the regions around Jerusalem and what we now call the country of Israel, and even to the ends of the earth, you will go and be my witnesses of me, my resurrection, my kingdom. In the, gospel, the news of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will go all over the earth. And the angel said, hey, stop staring. Go do what he just said to do. He'll come back when he's going to come back. So he, in Acts 2, Peter mentions what happened to Jesus when he got to where he was going. This is Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, out in the streets, as they're all speaking in tongues and babbling like drunks and full of the Holy Spirit, this Peter gets up and in his sermon he says, now he, that's Jesus, Peter's speaking about Jesus, he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven, at God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. So it was... I think 50 days or something in between Jesus' ascension into heaven and when the day of Pentecost came, when he poured out the Holy Spirit. But Peter says, Jesus is gone to be at the right hand of the Father. There's other scriptures that say that also, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. So God the Father is on his throne. Jesus is right next to him. The question today is, what has he been doing while he has sat there for 1,986 years? When he says, wait here, I'll be right back, (laughs) and 2,000 years later, we are still waiting, what is he doing? Probably the best known scripture about what he said he is doing is he says, I go to prepare a place for you. That is not at all what I want to talk about today. All right, people think he's up there building houses. Well, it is true that he's the carpenter. But I seriously doubt if he is that. Is his main focus is building mansions for us. I I realize that that is happening, but there's there's other scriptures where Paul says he calls this body our house or our tent, and he said we leave this house and we get our heavenly house. So even picturing a house as a building in heaven is not really biblical. It's our it's our heavenly bodies that we will. Inherit. We talked about that last Sunday. But I'm not going to argue with anybody that wants to believe he's building you a mansion, okay? Um, But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I know that he said that, and it's totally true. I completely believe it. It's just not my focus this morning. He said before he left, I am going, and when I go, I will send the comforter, Right? He said, don't be sad that I'm going, be happy that I'm going, because if I don't go, I can't send the comforter. And that comforter is the Holy Spirit, God inside of us. For some reason, comforter isn't even an accurate translation. I don't know why we call him that. The the word there is the paraclete, the one who walks beside us. The Holy Spirit is the one who walks with us um, in our life. So Jesus, we say Jesus is here wherever two or three are gathered and um, I will never leave you even until the end of the earth, but he's here in the Holy Spirit. He's not here in bodily form, he's in heaven. So he's here through our faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, he's here. But he is seated at the right hand of the Father in his presence in bodily form. The Holy Spirit is the one that's here. He poured out the Holy Spirit and he is seated at the Father's right hand. So, again, what has he been doing for nearly 2,000 years? Well, he told us what he would be doing in Luke 19. This will not be on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. If you want to follow along in your own Bible, it's Luke 19:11. but I'll just read it. It says the parable of the minus. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. And therefore, he said, this is Jesus speaking this parable. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and a mina is a silver coin. He gave them each a silver coin, and he said to them, Do business until I come. But his citizens hated him, and he sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded his servants to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know how each man had gained dirt by trading. And then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good faithful servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise he said to him, You also have over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And Jesus uh, speaking says, The master said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might at least have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the miner from him and give it to the one who has ten. But they said, Master, he already has ten. But I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have even what he does have will be taken away. But bring to those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. So, there's the parable of the talents and the parable of the minas. They're similar, but they're different. This is the mina version that Luke records. And so, Jesus tells this parable, and who is the nobleman in the story? It's Jesus. Who are the servants? Us. Right. And you've heard me preach on this parable many times. You've probably heard lots of other preachers talk about that, you know, we're to use the talents, the gifts, whatever God Jesus has given us, we use it to increase his kingdom, For him, when he returns, he'll be looking for faithfulness, and he'll have reward. Amen? You've heard me preach on this. Live for that day. Live for that day. When you answer to Jesus for why you invested his spirit that he invested in you. What did you do with that? But this morning, I want to look at what is the nobleman doing? What is Jesus doing in this story? He says, a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive a kingdom and to return. So what has Jesus been doing for 1,986 years? Receiving His kingdom. Get a few head nods. I said, the King of Kings has been receiving His kingdom. For 1,986 years, He has been receiving His kingdom. And He said that He invested His money, and that's a picture of the Holy Spirit. He invested His minas in His servants, and He went to a far kingdom. He received a kingdom the, the throne of that kingdom, the crown of that kingdom, and he returns. That's Jesus. He's the one who went away, received his kingdom, and returns. That's Jesus. And it says when he had returned, he, when he had received the kingdom, then he returned. So apparently Jesus doesn't completely have his kingdom yet because he hasn't come back yet. Hello? Are you with me? So then he returns, and he rewards his servants, and he slaughters rebels that wouldn't make him king. That's Jesus. Both of those will happen when he returns. Amen. Okay. He is receiving his kingdom. What does that mean? Luke 17, he told us. Some of the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Because they're thinking Jesus is going to restore the family line of David, of which Jesus was. He was a literal son of David. He was the son of Solomon and all the kings. Rehoboam and all the way down through Josiah and Joash. And he was exactly in the royal line. That's why everybody thought he was going to restore this earthly kingdom of Israel on the throne, in the palace, in Jerusalem. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not that kind of king. I'm not an earthly king. People still think Jesus is going to take over the world. He's not here to take over the world. He's here to take over our hearts. Jesus says, God's kingdom is coming, but not in a way that you will be able to see with your eyes. People will not say, look, here it is or there it is. Because God's kingdom is within you. Jesus' throne is in our hearts. That is the kingdom He has been receiving for 1,986 years is the hearts of men. And women, of course. Using that word in general. Hope you're with me. He has been receiving His kingdom that the Father gave Him, which is, the hearts of us. That's what he's been doing as his kingdom grows and spreads around the world. Matthew 28, he said this would happen. Jesus came, he commanded us to do it. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. It's the very end of the the book of Matthew. Jesus said that his kingdom is in the hearts of men. And he commanded his apostles, go and win the hearts of men. That's my kingdom. I'm not going to be on a physical throne in the city of Jerusalem. I'm going to live in Sandy Fox's heart. That's where I want to live. I'm going to live in Shirley Harris' heart. I'm going to live in Ben Lowe's heart. Go and make disciples. Because that's how I receive my kingdom. I don't want earthly riches. I want your hearts. He is receiving his kingdom for the last 1,986 years, more and more and more to the point where we are literally in the billions of people have made Jesus Lord of their hearts. And His kingdom, Revelation says, the people in it are uncountable. Hello? That's a lot of people! (laughs) Jesus is receiving His kingdom. That's what He's doing. Help us, Jesus. We are lowly northeastern Oregonians. We need to see Your kingdom on a universal scale. We need to see the glory of your kingdom as it encircles the globe and fills all of creation, Lord Jesus. You are so much bigger than we know. You are so much more glorious and beautiful and powerful than we know. Open our eyes this morning and (laughs) blind us with your glory, Lord. Blind us with the glory of your kingdom, Lord, and how much you are worshipped and loved And adored all over the globe how glorious you are and how great you are. How huge you are. How wonderful you are. Even into the ends of the age. The end of, uh, back in Matthew 24 he says this, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Jesus said every nation, and the word is ethnos, every ethnic group, Every literal ethnic group on the planet must hear of his kingdom before he comes. It can't happen tomorrow because that hasn't happened yet. Mark 16, the end of the book of Mark, he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's not even every person. That's all creation. That's what I'm doing when I'm out there shouting at the canyon, preaching the gospel to all creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new languages or tongues, they will take up serpents, they will drink any, if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Ha! But Jesus said, there it is, He said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Because that's my kingdom is inside of you the gospel the kingdom the kingdom of heaven is in the hearts of men in luke 24 the end of the chapter at the end of the book of luke he says this he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures that he said to them thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission from sin should be preached in his name to every nation again the word is ethnic group Every nation beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And for nearly 2,000 years, the witness of those men and women, 500 of them, that saw him resurrected after the crucifixion, written in this book, that testimony has gone out into all the world. From Siberia to South Africa, from Jerusalem to Japan. It has gone out into all the world, and the Holy Spirit has confirmed it with signs and wonders and healings and born-again hearts. Completely changed lives, completely new people, and Jesus is receiving His kingdom. And it isn't done yet. There's more. Or He'd be back right now. There's more. There's more people who will make Jesus Lord. Do you understand that something like 300,000 people a day get born again just in India alone? Jesus is receiving His kingdom. And it's growing in size and in brightness and glory. And if you only pay attention to the media from hell in America, you're going to get a pretty dark picture of the world. But Jesus' kingdom is growing. And the light is shining brighter. And yeah, the darkness is getting darker, but the light is getting lighter and good things are happening. Jesus is on the move and His kingdom is growing. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are filled with power from on high. And He led them out as far as Bethany and He lifted up His hands and He blessed them. And now it came to pass while He blessed them that He was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped Him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Amen. So He says in what we call the Great Commission, which is the reference to the verses in Matthew, but Mark and Luke also have Jesus' last words before He ascended, telling us to go into all the nations, go to the whole world and tell them about Me, make disciples, get them saved, disciple them in My ways, He's got this, we call it the Great Commission. So again, I kind of got ahead of myself, but but that has to go all the way around the world. Jesus has to receive His full kingdom. All of His crown. We are His crown. He has to receive all of His crown before the end will come. Right? So how what does that look like? How far does that go? Well, in Revelation... There's a record of us there in heaven singing this song. To Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So, in heaven, there is some Number of representatives from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. The word tribe right there is the Greek word that means family, and that really is the word for tribe. So, in our culture in Northeast Oregon, we don't really have tribes, but you know there are people who very definitely identify as a tribe. We are all distantly related. And we are our own people. We have our own language. There's the tribes of Israel, and there's the Nez Perce, and the Sioux Native Americans, and there's the Inuit, and there's the tribes in the jungle of South America and the jungles of Southeast Asia. Those people identify as we're all one family. Every single family is what the word really means. Every single family on the earth will be represented in heaven this word tongue is language every single language will be spoken in heaven because somebody from every language group on the earth I, I don't want to limit to small numbers but somebody will be saved out of every language group on the planet the word people just means group And the word nation, again, is ethnos. Every single ethnic group will be represented in eternity. Either in huge numbers or maybe small numbers. I don't know. But the gospel must go. Jesus is waiting to receive his full kingdom, which is every nation, tongue, and tribe on the entire planet. That's big. In Revelation 7, here's another quote that says the same thing. After this I looked and I behold a great multitude which no one could number. There it is. An uncountable number of people in heaven. Of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. John sees in his vision that the Holy Spirit gave him. He sees into heaven and he says, there is a number of people that no one could count. And in it are represented every kind and type of person on the entire planet. Every language, every ethnic group, every tribe is represented. Jesus has received his full kingdom. The in. I don't, when I say this, I don't mean every single individual soul, but the entire world will make Jesus king before this is over. And obviously, I don't mean every single soul. There's plenty of souls that will be rebels. Jesus prophesied it. Revelation's full of it. But I mean every people group, somebody, hopefully lots of somebodies, will make Jesus Lord and receive His kingdom in their heart. Amen. Revelation 14, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. There it is again. Saying with a loud voice, This is an evangelist angel sent directly from the temple in heaven, and this is the gospel. Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of water. Those of you who have been fooled into thinking that the gospel is going and telling people that Jesus is their biggest fan and He wants to heal their knee, this is the gospel that comes from heaven. Fear God. His judgments are about to come. Fall down and worship Him so you don't die. Make Him Lord. Now. In your own heart. That's the angel's version of the gospel. Might be some truth in it. Maybe some of you don't like that, but that's the gospel that comes out of heaven. That the angel preaches to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Every single group on the entire planet represented by the time this thing is over. Jesus is receiving His kingdom. So we have 1,986 years of what we call on earth church history the spread of the Gospel beginning on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem that spread out through all of what we now call the Middle East and Northern Africa and up into Europe and then into Northern Asia. And one of the apostles went over as far as East, as far as India. And then there's the whole history of Islam rising up and killing off the Christians in that area, but there was the split between the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church and then there's the split between the Protestant church and the Catholic church and and there's a couple different models but one that's very common of viewing the spread of the gospel around the globe in what we call time and history is that the gospel continued to move west that the, during the Protestant Reformation it came to the Americas and and you heard Alessandro say this when he was just here a couple months ago that the gospel then continued to move west further across the Pacific and into into uh, East Asia, and, and it's, the gospel isn't moving only one direction, but the flow of the history of the gospel does seem to move that direction. And now, as Alessandro said a few weeks ago, and you've heard me say before, that really there are pockets of unreached tribes in jungles here and there around the, the world, and, but we're very close to fulfilling the Great Commission most of the languages of the world have the Bible translated already. Most, not every individual person, but most peoples, most tribes, have heard some representation of the gospel. And really, absolutely, there are people and cultures all over the globe that have received Jesus, and there are people and cultures that have rejected Jesus all over the globe, but as a whole, really the only two peoples left who are completely resistant to the gospel is the people in the Middle East and Israel itself. But that's going to change. It is changing. It has been changing. Thousands and thousands of Muslims hearing about Jesus from himself and dreams and visions that are reported continually from TV shows. I sent a whole bunch of you an email of a video this week. Did you watch that? Yeah, it was good stuff. An Egyptian Coptic priest who has a TV show that's broadcast to all the Muslim world, and he takes live calls from Muslim imams who want to debate from the Quran, and he just preaches Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's all over the Muslim world on live television. Amazing. Praise the Lord. Amazing. If you follow Sid Roth's ministry, you have heard or Morningstar, you've heard reports of unprecedented sal- numbers of salvations happening in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is known as a missionary graveyard. You don't go there to make converts because the Jewish people in Israel are very, very against Christianity and and Jesus. And, and in the last six months, there have been several meetings where multiple hundreds have made Jesus their Messiah. That's never, ever, never happened before the days of the book of Acts. I mean, since the days of the book of Acts. It's happening. My picture is not necessarily Alessandro taught us about this westward movement of the gospel and I've heard around the globe since Jesus left and when it returns to Jerusalem, he talked to us about the Chinese church and their march to Jerusalem and that there's, I, I forget the number, he said of Chinese Christians who are ready to march west out of China into the Muslim nations to carry the gospel to Jerusalem. They know they won't be home. They know they'll ne- they will not live to make it home and they're ready to go and they will carry the gospel into... Alessandro actually and Marcia are the contacts of the Chinese church in the Stan countries, Uzbekistan and Tajikistan and Afghanistan. He's their contact as they're going to move across and the march to Jerusalem. Their their picture is that as they're going to carry the gospel back to Jerusalem, and the gospel will have completely circled the globe. We will have fulfilled what Jesus said, and his return is imminent. My picture is more like Jesus at the Mount of Olives where he ascends, he threw the pebble in the pond and the rings went out and they hit the edge of the pond and now they're coming back. Because it didn't actually take very long for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. His, world history speaking, I mean it took a thousand years, but that's, not, that's a pretty short time in the history of the world. But the gospel did go all over the earth and now it's coming back. And so Jesus left the Mount of Olives, the gospel goes out. the gospel comes back to Jerusalem and in Romans Paul writes about Israel being grafted back into the church into their father Abraham Um, he will return right from where he left so more on that in a couple weeks but the gospel boomerang I guess um, that went out and it's it's coming back but just for now I just want you to know that just as history did not begin when you were born The church did not begin when you got saved. Hello? We, in our little pea brains, and our deep needs for intimacy with God, we tend to focus on the stuff of God that He knows all the hairs of my head, and He knows the pains and thoughts and dreams of my heart, but you need to know that Jesus' kingdom is a lot bigger than us individually it's bigger than this church it's bigger than our valley it's bigger than the United States God's will is not even global its universal it's for all of creation we will bow the knee and Jesus will be Lord the scripture says he fills all in all the church is a lot bigger than us Jesus has been working for two thousand years By the power of the Holy Spirit and the testimony of us, his gospel has been spreading around the world. His kingdom is increasing as he inherits heart after heart after heart. And it is both intimately, individually perfect and personal, and it is massively, unimaginably, uncountably huge at the same time. Are you with me? He does know the hairs on our head and the cries of our hearts and the individualness, the intimacy of his understanding and his identity with us as individuals is fantastically awesome. But it's also, we are just one little, one little microscopic part of this kingdom that we call the church. And he's been working for 2,000 years, and we are not doing his work, we are his work. Hello? Hello? Yes, we join with Him and we partner in, in the assignment part that He gives us, but we are His work. When you came to Jesus and God the Father adopted you as His son or daughter through salvation in Jesus, you came into a very, very ancient family. We inherited a heritage, that, an inheritance, a history that we don't even begin to understand. How old this thing is. And we just come in line with what Jesus has already been doing. And at the same time that he was desperately longing to have his kingdom and his throne in your heart, he wasn't waiting on you to make his kingdom. Hello? Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying there? Absolutely, in intimate, personal, individual detail, he wanted his throne in your heart. But he wasn't waiting, oh, now Mitch and Jeremy are in the kingdom, now we can finally move forward. We are in an ancient, ancient family with massive momentum and a huge, rich history that he has been working on since he created Adam and Eve especially since the cross is what I'm talking about we have literally biblically it says we have uncountable brothers and sisters in heaven and very few of them will be northeast Oregonians I don't mean very few of us I just mean in, even if everybody from northeast Oregon is saved our number will be tiny so don't expect heaven to look like Union County Hello? Don't expect heaven to look like New Song Community Church. It's much, much bigger. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. We're going to have to go through some serious sensitivity training. Because <laughs> we got brothers and sisters that don't speak our language, that don't look like us, that don't think like us, that don't act like us. And Jesus' throne is in their heart. And we have things to learn from them, and they have things to learn to us. And we are to be supernaturally in unity now. And we can be, and we will be, but we have uncountable brothers and sisters around the globe. Some of them already in heaven, in the throne room, before God, singing those songs to Jesus. But there's like a billion of us here on the planet, alive right now, shining the light of the fire of the Holy Spirit out of our hearts, out of our mouths, out of our hands. Who's going to stop that? Come on, don't ever feel small or powerless in front of all the bad news. The bad news is very real, it is very bad. But the good news is very real. And it's really good. Jesus is inheriting His kingdom. And it's us! Woo! Come on. It will literally take an eternity to hear all the testimonies. That's not an exaggeration. It will take forever to hear everybody's stories of how Jesus saved me, what He saved me from, what He repaired in my heart what He repaired in our marriage, what He repaired in my body. Eternity! To hear everybody's story. It's really easy to get wrapped up in our own life and our own story, our own details of our own needs and even what the great things God has done. It's like, look what God did in me. Can you believe that? Yeah. And about a billion others of us. (laughs) It's amazing. A million, billion people with testimonies. And in the scope of history that we call time, we have actually come in at the very end of things. We're at the very end. We get put in this river. We get adopted into this family right at the very end of stuff. It's here. It's upon us. And millions and millions and millions of people are joining us. So Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Jesus said, it will go all the way around the globe, and when it does, the end will come. So our assignment is go into every nation and make disciples. Evangelizing the lost. And discipling those that come to Jesus, fresh baby Christians, that is our assignment. It is our only assignment. It is our goal because it is what Jesus is doing. You hear me? He is receiving His kingdom, He is waiting to the fullness of His crown and his authority and his scepter are on his head and in his hands, and that's us. He's not coming back until it's done. We're wasting a lot of time with other priorities, even as a church. We're killing a lot of time, doing things that we think are good, but it isn't Jesus inheriting his kingdom. 2 Peter 3 the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works in it that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, all the earthly physical stuff around us will be burned up, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening, that means hurrying up. We can hurry up the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, we're commanded to be excited about this stuff that's coming. Okay. Be diligent to be found in Him in peace without spot and blameless, and consider the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Why has Jesus waited 2,000 years so more people can be saved? Come on. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter says, I'm "Telling you now, this earth's going to burn up when Jesus returns, Since I'm telling you beforehand, figure out how you should live your life, not for the stuff of this world. Live your life toward Jesus. Jesus' assignment to us is, go out and make disciples. Put the two together. Well, let's include Jesus' kingdom is in our hearts. Let's put all of that together. And the commandment is, don't live for the stuff of this world. Go and make disciples. Give Jesus his kingdom so that we can hurry up the day of his return. Because he's waiting until he has the fullness of his kingdom, which is, everybody knows about me and has had the option to choose. Everybody has to know. Our assignment is to love our neighbor in Jesus' name, share the gospel, be a neighbor, love people, tell them about Jesus, get them saved, disciple them up in the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus receives his kingdom. Don't waste your time doing anything else. But then we do. In the name of Jesus, as a church, We get sidelined with politics. Both Christians on the left and the right. We get sidelined with social issues. We become obsessed with even idolizing social justice or revival or politics. Jesus said, make people my disciples. It's all going to burn anyway. I want them to not burn. Bring them into me. And how much time and personnel and money is spent wasted on political action or whatever. Pick your issue. I understand, you've heard me say this multiple times before, that there is no social justice without Christianity. There is no human rights without Christianity. There's no women's rights without Christianity. There is no political freedom without Christianity. If you trace those issues in history, they move precisely geographically with the gospel. The church is who sets people free in Jesus' name. So I know that America is not the kingdom of heaven and our constitution is not the law of God, but it is the best law on the planet. And it's that way because we have a Christian heritage. Wherever the gospel has gone, women's roles and rights and freedoms have improved. The economy has improved. Slavery has been disbanded. But that is the effect, not the goal. The goal is for Jesus to be enthroned on people's hearts, and that changes culture. So, our assignment is to give Jesus His kingdom, make disciples, because the earth is going to burn. And He wants everybody... On his ark. And here we are on the Titanic and we're arguing about whether there should be a first, second, and third class tickets. And we're down in the third class bunkers running soup kitchens. Feeding people that are on their way to hell. Thinking we're serving Jesus and not telling them about Him. Come on. This planet is the Titanic. It is sinking. And the church is trying to improve the living conditions in the government or in society, help the poor, rather than go and make disciples of every nation. Because time is about up. You know. You've been around long enough, you know. I I am politically active. I am not against writing your congressman, protesting abortion, going and doing your thing. Take absolutely take care of the poor and work for social justice and political righteousness and amen. But but the only way that's going to be accomplished is when Jesus is on the throne of the hearts of the people who run those things. So the social change, the political change. The earthly righteousness that results when we obey God is the effect of the kingdom of Jesus, not the goal of the kingdom of Jesus. Let's make sure He receives His kingdom. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love You so much. You are so awesomely, amazingly huge. We love your glory. May you receive glory from every nation, tongue, tribe, and people on the earth, Lord. May you receive your kingdom. May you receive your inheritance. The nations that you died to redeem, that you poured out your blood to cleanse and bring to the Father. The people that your body was torn open so that the curtain could be torn in the temple and we would have access to our God. Lord, you paid with your own body and blood for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on the earth, and you will pour it out on all flesh. Jesus, receive your kingdom. And what part we play in it here in Union County in Northeast Oregon? We want to see your glory grow. We want to see your kingdom expanded in our classrooms, in our schools, in our workplaces, down the street, across the street, Lord. Lord, in our families. We want to see your kingdom increase. To those that don't know you, we want to see you enthroned in their hearts. Lord, your kingdom is growing, expanding. Your throne is ever glorious and more bright and larger. The boundaries of your kingdom expanded and growing into more and more hearts every day. Lord, send out harvesters into your fields. You said to pray that the Lord of the harvest send out workers. So we pray, Lord, that you send out workers into your field. In this field right here in Union County, Lord, in Thailand and Manitoba and Tanzania and Tajikistan that you've connected us with, Lord, and people we know all over the globe who are spreading your gospel, preaching your truth, loving people in your name, releasing the power of the Holy Spirit. May your kingdom grow larger and brighter and more glorious until the day of your return when we usher you in with the song of the Lamb. We love you, Jesus. Your bride says we love you. Come, Lord Jesus. The Spirit and the bride say come. Your elect lady needs you, Jesus. We want you here with us. We love you. We call you. Come.